This is the Brew World Order Podcast. Welcome to the Brew World Order Podcast. My name is Mike Curtin. If you haven't subscribed yet, well, get on it, bucko. This is episode number 46, and we're getting old. In this episode, I sit down with Chris Fosacker, co-owner of High Wire Brewing Company in Asheville, North Carolina. Chris talks to me about how his team tries their hardest to think outside the box, how they found their head brewer, and how crafting their identity was one of the hardest parts of opening their business. I feel exactly the same way. When I started this podcast, I don't know what I was doing. 46 episodes later and I don't know what I was doing. Time flies when you don't know what you're doing. But what you should be doing is enjoying the podcast. So, sit back, crack open a beer, and enjoy the podcast. Hey guys, I'm Mike Curtin. This is the Brew World Order Podcast, and today I'm with Chris Frosacker, co-owner of High Wire Brewing Company in Asheville, North Carolina. Chris Frosacker and Adam Charnak first met as college roommates, and after college, both went on to completely different career paths. Chris became a pharmacist at Walgreens in Asheville, and Adam became an affordable housing real estate developer. Around 2012, Chris was looking for a career change, but wasn't sure what. He was out to dinner one night with some co-workers when they had mentioned that Craggy Brewing Company would be closing down. Chris's ears perked up and he immediately thought of Adam as they had always talked about starting their own business together. A couple weeks later, Adam's company went out of business and he was all in on the idea. A business plan was written up and the two got to work and in the summer of 2013, Highwire Brewing Company was born. And Chris is here with me today. Chris, how's it going? Good, how are you? Alright. So... Craggy Brewing Company closed on December 1st of 2012, and you had both opened in the summer of 2013. How quick of a turnaround was that for you? How quick did you guys have to work? And uh, what was the biggest challenge you had to deal with when doing that? The, the turnaround was was super quick. Um, you know, most, most breweries from... Uh, first idea to opening day um, often take upwards of a year through permitting, build out, and ordering equipment, and installing equipment, and dialing in recipes. It's a it's, it's typically a pretty long process. We were fortunate enough that we took over a functional brewery. You know, we 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 really got to skip a lot of the the longer processes such as ordering equipment because it was all in place. What what we worked on um, obviously was was hiring staff and recipe development as well as kind of kind of redoing the uh, retail customer experience. Um, so it was uh, you know in terms of opening a brewery, you know we did it in, we did it in six months, which is you know almost unheard of. Um, the the biggest challenge for us um, was was crafting our own identity being in a space with a brewery that that didn't make it you know a lot of a lot of people at first kind of associated us with that that brewery uh which which wasn't very popular um so it'd be hard to um make our own unique brand and, and make sure our beer was hot notch uh from from day one to uh to kind of separate ourselves gotcha yeah so how did you guys go about uh funding uh that first location um, it was a mixture of uh, some life savings thrown in okay. with uh, Adam's background, really. Um, Adam, um, you know, when he was in the real estate world, worked all the time uh, trying to obtain financing from banks. Um, he's a uh, Excel spreadsheet wizard um, and, and really, really knows. Uh, 
he's a finance guy. So so we had a leg up for obtaining money, and we we kind of went a traditional bank uh, financing route, uh, which again is not not super common um, for okay. for small startup breweries. But but it worked for us, you know. Adam, Adam uh, we we had a solid business plan, and Adam knew his numbers, um, so we uh, were able to open with a, a small SBA backed uh, bank loan. Right. So you guys weren't really uh, brewers or or anything like that. You kind of just like you had a love of you like you liked brewing, home brewing, and you enjoyed craft beer. But uh, exactly, yeah. Neither uh, neither Adam or I are brewers at all. Um, in fact, I, I'd imagine we would both be ter- pretty terrible brewers. Um, <laughs> you know, he's, he has a little bit too much attention to detail, and I, I'm a pretty impatient person. So I think that, <laughs> those two uh, two qualities in craft beer, or at least making craft beer, uh, wouldn't, wouldn't really work. Um, but um, I, I think that's what has given us a leg up and how we've been able to aggressively grow what we have. Um, the, the owners and founders aren't aren't worrying about, you know, the nitty gritty details of today's brew. Um, we, we have an awesome, awesome production staff who we wholeheartedly trust and have our faith in. And, uh, they do their thing, um, while we're able to go grow the business. Gotcha. And how did you go about finding that, uh, that head brewer? Uh, it's kind of funny. So he actually came from Craggy Brewing. Um, really? The, the brewer. That, that went out of uh, went out of business. Interesting. Uh, we we originally had a had a head brewer lined up, uh, pretty pretty popular brewer here in Asheville, and um, last minute, Oscar Blues had opened up their uh, a new brewery here in Western North Carolina, okay. uh, which isn't isn't so new anymore, but at the time brand new, and uh, he got offered the job to start that place up, and he, he just could, said he couldn't turn it down. Right. He said, hey, my, my buddy Luke actually worked worked for Craggy. Um, and he, you know, he wasn't even really a brewer. He was kind of, kind of a cellarman, um, but really talented guy and, uh, got to talking to him and he made us some beer and, uh, you know, we, uh, it was, it was the right fit. I mean, it was, it was a gamble, um, kind of, kind of running with a guy that wasn't really proven. Um, but he, uh, is, is an amazing, does an amazing job for us and he's still our head brewer today. Awesome. So. Like you said, you never were really in the brewer industry or anything like that. So what was something you never thought you were going to have to deal with when opening a brewery? The biggest shock, you know, when, when you're first starting out, is just how how capital intensive this industry really is. From equipment to raw materials to packaging materials, bottles, cans, uh, cardboard, uh, takes a lot of money to run a brewery. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, you, you, you always hear that um, when you're, you know, thinking about starting something like this. Uh, but until you experience it, it's, it's uh, you know, first couple of years, we're, we're definitely a roller coaster, kind of getting off the ground and getting stable. Um, takes takes a lot of money to do this and, and do it right. So that was definitely the biggest shock. Yeah. I, I always hear that, that one famous line. It's like, whatever you think it's going to cost, double it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, and on top of that, you know, raw material prices constantly increase. Right, right. Yeah, beer prices don't increase. You know, everyone expects that nine ninety nine, ten ninety nine six pack on the shelf. So we we can't raise our prices yet. Everyone else keeps raising their prices. So right. it's a the uh, continual struggle. Yeah, for sure. Now you got to find that happy medium. So, what do you think is the biggest lesson that you've learned so far from owning your breweries? 
not being afraid to take chances um, in, in, in life and in business. Um, you know, we have uh, a set of set of uh, we, we call it non-negotiables here um, in our company, but they're they're really core values. Um, that we that we ask all of our coworkers to to live by every day, and uh, I think the most important one uh, to think with ingenuity, uh, think outside the box. You know, we we do a lot of things that are different um, than your quote unquote typical brewery. Um, we we put out a ton of different types of beer. Um, we have a pretty aggressive satellite tap room model. Um, we 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 tend to do things a little differently. Um, and I think again, that's that's kind of what gives us a little bit of a uh, step ahead of, of, of some of our some of our peers. Always think outside the box, um, and, and uh, you know, not every idea is going to work. But uh, you know, what, what, what's that saying? You uh, you know, can't make the shot if you don't shoot the ball, or something like that. That's right. You miss one hundred percent of the shots you don't take, right? That's 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 it. That's yeah. exactly it. Um, and so that's kind of kind of how we live around here. Good, good. So you. you talk about your peers um who do you think's inspired you the most in the beer industry Ooh, that's a that's a good question um we really really look up to uh brewers like firestone walker okay out in, out in california um if you look at their model um they do every seemingly do everything and they do it really well um, they, they make uh, one of the best lagers in the world, in my opinion, Pivo Pills. Pivo Pills uh, is great. They make fantastic IPAs. Um, they, they also have a robust wild and sour program and barrel aging program, which, which we do as well. Um, so uh, kind of looking at a brewer like that where they're not really pigeonholed into a single style and, and they, they, can, they can play around and, and, and seemingly do everything very well. Yeah, for sure. I'm a big fan of their uh, Double Jack. Yeah, absolutely. One of my favorites. So uh, what qualities do you think you possess that make you a great business owner? Um, I think, uh, again, it's, it's, it's taking risks. Um, you know, all risks are calculated risks. Right. But, uh, you know, I, uh, I, I like doing things differently. You know, the, the beer industry... You know, the three-tier system, which is great, you know, manufacturer, wholesaler, uh, retailer, you know, it's been this system for since, since Prohibition, right. um, and, it, and it works for, you know, seemingly works for everybody, but um, I, I feel like a lot of, a lot of people kind of get in the same, I don't want to call it a rut, but they, you know, they, they get into this, this way of thinking, and I think that's the only way of thinking, um, and, and doing things, um, you know, we, again, we like to think outside the box, think with ingenuity. We kind of approach different problems in different ways. It's, it's trying new, constantly trying new things, constantly innovating, um, constantly having having a new new thing to talk about all the time. And I think the other thing is is just trying to have fun. Um, you know, beer, beer is supposed to be fun. That's actually another one of our non negotiables is, is create fun. Okay. Um, and so we try to do that with our brand, our beers, um, and our uh, our retail experience. You know, just uh, this is supposed to be a good time. Right. Speaking of your brand, uh, how did you guys come up with the name for your company? It was a little uh, kind of metaphorical at the time. Okay. Um, you know, I was leaving uh, a pretty lucrative career. Um, Adam was leaving the, uh, the business world. Um, and, and a big reason why we did it was kind of 
work-life balance, right? Um, wanted to kind of do something we were actually passionate about. Um, and that balance can relate to a tightrope walker, uh, you know, up on, a, up on a high wire. Right, right. Uh, so uh, that, that's, that's really kind of how it started. And then from there, uh, we just really liked the, the kind of the circus idea, the circus theme. Um, okay. Lighthearted, fun. Here's supposed to be fun. Um, Asheville, uh, kind of a little bit of circus. So it's a fun, crazy town. And that, that's kind of went from there. You know, we, we really leaned on the circus thing the first couple of years. And, and now we've, we've kind of gotten, gotten away from, you know, the, the traditional circus imagery. Uh, but, but it still rings true, you know, being balanced in beer and life and, and having a good time. All right. In 2014, the North Carolina Brewers Cup and Best New North Carolina Brewery of 2013, you guys won the most awards, most medals. What do you think has been the proudest moment for your brewery so far? Um, I think it was actually our, our first Great American Beer Festival medal. We won that for uh, our Oktoberfest uh, gold, gold medal. That was that was a super big deal for us. Um, we uh, definitely gave us gave us the confidence that we you know were we always thought we were making good beer, but you know the world, world renowned judges agreed, um, and, and it really kind of put us on the map a little more than, than we were at the time. Right, kind of, and it kept giving us a little more confidence. So that was, that was probably my most exciting moment. So I know uh, a lot of people might f- define that as success, um, but for you, how do you define success? That's a, that's a tough question. Um, success, I think, is uh, you know the, the easy answer is is you know business profitability. Right. Uh, but but kind of the real success is, is making sure that that is there. Um, but also, um, you know, in the last year we've really fo- started to focus more on our culture um, here at the brewery and making sure everybody feels like they're part of a family and uh, feels comfortable and. It, is happy uh, likes coming to work um so so to me you know it's uh, success has kind of gone from hey just making sure we're, we're making money we're, we're staying afloat to um making sure the culture and the brewery is correct because because when the culture's right the product's going to be better um and and the, the profitability going to come naturally right so i'm sure it, it it also takes a lot uh it's a lot on the mental to own it. I mean, you have six room, six, uh, well, six on the way right now, six uh, tap room on the way, but how important is a mental break for you? And what does that look like? Um, I've, uh, I've never been good at taking mental breaks. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I'm, I'm kind of always thinking about the business, which, which I think, you know, I think most business owners do. Um, but for, for me, it's, it's physically kind of getting out of the building a little bit. You know, I, right. I, I try really hard uh, to work just a standard 40-hour week. Um, I, I don't come in on weekends, and, uh, and, and, and I'm able to do that because uh, my coworkers uh, are phenomenal. You know, there, there's a lot of trust there. Um, I, I, I trust our managers and our leaders to, uh, to, do, to do the right thing. Um, they, they, they own what they do. Uh, that enables me to be able to relax a little bit. So you right. know, I think definitely the, the key is not, not being here all the time. So if I'm here all the time, it's sucked in. Gotcha. So what do you think has been the biggest change in the last five years in the brewing industry? Hard seltzer. Hard seltzer, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, every, everywhere you go, there's, there's seltzer. Every, and everything you read about beer, they talk about seltzer. You know, it's uh, not very often that 
uh, an innovation like that comes along, uh, it's uh, it, it's it's definitely created some challenges for for you know regional breweries like us. Um, we've uh, a lot of chain grocery retailers have cut down their craft space and given it to seltzer because it's it's just on fire. Right. Uh, they especially, did that this year, especially in the summer, with a lot of uh, kind of unknown brands. Um, so, so it's been a, it's been an interesting chain grocery year for us, uh, kind of continuing to, to fight for that space, which uh, just keeps getting harder and harder every day. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I kind of predict a lot of those, a lot of the smaller seltzer brands. I think it'll kind of kind of even out next year. So I, I think seltzer is kind of a a big guys game. You know the uh, the Anheuser Busch, the Millers, the truly White Claw. I, mm-hmm. I think they're going to continue to dominate. Right. Uh, I think that's been the biggest change in, in the beer industry. Gotcha. And uh, what was your gateway beer into the craft beer world? Uh, so I grew up, I'm, I'm from Chicago originally. Okay. Uh, uh, college and grad school at the University of Iowa. So I was a, a, was a Midwest guy. And um, the uh, first beer I really got into was Boulevard Unfiltered Wheat. So it was a you know Boulevard in Kansas City, yes. uh, you know huge in Iowa at the time. Um, that really kind of opened my eyes, and then I, I kind of transitioned to Sierra Pale Ale, uh, which which still I think is one of the best beers on the market. Um, but and at the time, it's funny looking back. I used to think it was the most bitter, hoppy thing in the world um, when, when I was drinking it. Um, now it's now it's just a balanced pale ale to me. <laughs> right, right. But, yeah, I'd say Boulevard unfiltered feed into uh, Sierra Pale. Yeah, I know a lot of people that have said uh, Sierra Pale Ale was their first, and it kind of like blew them away. Yep, exactly. Like I had mentioned before, you have uh, your six tap room on the way. You have uh, Big Top, South Slope, Durham, Knoxville, Wilmington, and then now you have Louisville. That's going to be opening hopefully midsummer to the end of the summer, possibly. Do you guys have a timeline for that? And also, what does the future look like yeah, for so your brewery? In addition to Louisville, which is number six, we're actually building number seven at the same time as well. Um, really? Which is a, a, a big distribution center and beer garden here in Asheville nice. uh, to, to support our brewery. But hoping for Louisville to open mid-July um, is, is the goal. Uh, construction's going very, very, very smooth. Uh, knock on wood. Uh, at, at that location, um, and the uh, distribution center, beer garden, we'll, we're, we're shooting for August on that one. So, kind of, kind of a little more complicated project. You know, I, I think the future for us, um, at least in the, I guess I'll call the short term, the next couple of years, we we distribute in nine states right now, and I we we really don't see the need to open any new markets in the next next couple of years. So okay. we we really. Uh, plan is to focus on where we're at and then build sales from there. Um, you know, I mentioned, I mentioned chain grocery a little earlier in regards to hard seltzers. Um, it's a big focus for us. You know, if we, if we, if we start to, uh, develop ourselves more in, in grocery, um, we really should see a lot of growth in our, in our current market. And as far as the taproom model goes, we're going to continue doing it. You know, the goal, the goal is to open one or two a year. Um, and so we're, we're kind of, we're, we're actively looking for uh, for the next bout right now. Very cool. Best of luck to you with that. That's all. That sounds awesome, man. 
Um, yes. So if you had somebody come to you, as I'm sure you do, uh, and ask you for advice on opening their own place, what would you tell them? Yeah, I, that, that, that happens all the time. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> I, uh, and what I say, and I, and I think this always comes as a shock to some people, is I, I would not open a distributing brewery today. I, I think uh, the distribution climate is, is, is getting harder and harder. Um, the number of wholesalers uh, keeps shrinking. You know, they keep consolidating, yet the number of manufacturers keeps growing. So, to me, that's that's kind of a recipe for for disaster. Um, you know, it's 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 really hard to build um, solid relationships with wholesalers and retailers and, and, and grow distribute in today's market. So, kind of the established folks, um, I, I think, are are kind of ruling that game. So, what I what I always say is. If, if you can sell every drop through your walls, uh, your four walls, do that. Get a, get a big, decently big space. Um, I, I, I think a lot of people underestimate the amount um, of revenue they do through their tap rooms. You know, and, and in order to do that, you need to get a lot of a lot of butts and seats. Um, right. So right. get a get a big, comfortable, open space. Don't go too big on your brew house, on your system, because then you're going to get the urge, oh, I've got some extra beer. I might, I might as well start selling to a few local bars and restaurants. It's hard to make money distributing when you're that small. It's just hard. Gotcha. Uh, and, and, and try to do as much work as an owner as humanly possible. You know, starting out with a, a secretary and a bunch of assistants and managers is, is, is hard. You know, pay, payroll is always going to be your highest expense. And so uh, you really got to grid it out uh, those those first couple of years. Try to keep your staff small um, and just try to create a really fun, welcoming place where where your community wants to gather with a small, strong staff. Gotcha, gotcha. So, did you happen to have a funny story for us? I, I do, I do. Um, got a lot of funny stories, but a lot a lot of them aren't uh, aren't PC for the airwaves here. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> I think the the funniest one that I can think of. So we were approached in, I think it was 2014, uh, to do a reality TV show pilot. Really? Uh, it was us and uh, a few other Asheville-based breweries here. And uh, we said, sure, why not? You know, what, what, what's it going to hurt? So these guys came to town from L.A. And, and stayed for a few weeks, shot some scenes from each brewery to, to make a pilot to go pitch. And um, Adam, my business partner, can be a pretty high-strung guy sometimes. He had just bought, uh, you know, this is back when we were making, we weren't even taking a paycheck. Adam had just bought this this Buick, Buick vehicle. And it was sitting outside the brewery. Um, and, and one of our brewers, who still works for us today, had this funny idea that while Adam and I were getting interviewed uh, for this reality TV show pilot, he would post this Buick for sale Craigslist. Put it up there for three hundred bucks with Adam's cell phone number on there, <laughs> and said, "I want this thing gone now. Three hundred bucks, you know. And if, if I don't answer, keep calling." Is what, right. is what the what the thing said. So we're we're getting interviewed, and I, I knew this was happening. And all of a sudden, Adam just starts twitching. His, <laughs> his phone just keeps going, just going nuts, going crazy. Gets done of the interview, and of course, the cameras are still rolling. Adam answers the phone and it's, it's, it's some guy from, from out in the country. And, you know, it's like, I've heard your Buick's for sale. I want to come buy your Buick. And Adam, you know, like, what, what are you talking about? 
and uh, goes and finds the ad on Craigslist and, and kind of like kind of freaked out for a second. And uh, the, the whole thing's on camera, and it's just it's just a really really funny moment. Yeah, um, so it was it was a early early funny funny time. So hilarious. Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of practical jokes played on each other inside the yeah. uh, brewery. Pretty pretty constant. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it's like the uh, just like the firehouse guys like to bust each other's balls. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I have a, a little segment called Quick Fire Five: Five Quick Questions, beer related. Ready? Yep. One of your beers that you'd recommend someone try? Um, I I recommend everyone when they first starting uh, if they have one beer, high wire beer to try, uh, high wire lager. The first beer we ever made uh, were lager nuts, um, and it's uh, super crisp and, and just kind of kind of shows you. Um, I think it's a great example of our focus on quality. Quality, gotcha. Uh, favorite brewery other than your own? Um, Sierra Nevada. Um, they they opened up an expansion brewery here in Western North Carolina, and they're just nothing but class uh, quality. Uh, everything they do is top notch. Gotcha. Favorite style of beer? Uh, Pilsner. Pilsner. Uh, last beer that you drank that blew you away? Ooh, good question. I would say, you know, I, I never really, you know, I appreciate kind of hard to get beers and everything, but I've, I've never been a huge like beer trader trying to find rare beers. And I know this was one that was, you know, people were freaking out about years ago, but I, I had never tried it. Um, we, we had an employee party a few months ago. Someone brought a uh, beer from Perennial in St. Louis called Abraxas. It's a big barrel-aged stout. Uh, that, that blew me away. Gotcha. And you have one keg of beer to hold you over for a two-week quarantine. What beer are you choosing? Highwire Lager. Highwire Lager. All right. That is, uh, Chris, that's all I got for you, man. Awesome. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me out. Yeah, I appreciate it. I'm Mike Curtin for the Brew World Order podcast here with Chris Fosacker from High Wire Brewing Company in Asheville, North Carolina. Thanks, Chris. Thanks. Have a good day. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for listening to my interview with Chris Fosacker, co-owner of High Wire Brewing Company in Asheville, North Carolina. Whether you're passing through, you live in the area, or just visiting a friend nearby, you should definitely check them out. Or check out one of their other five locations. Also, give them a follow on social media while you're at it. Every other Sunday, I'll be releasing a new episode, so subscribe and you'll never miss one. Also, be sure to check us out on social media for updates on the podcast. I'm Mike Curtin for the Brew World Order Podcast. You stay safe out there.